Blog Talk Radio. Conference championships are over. We now know our two participants for Super Bowl 48 to be played, oh, about two and a half hours southwest of my current location um, in the new MetLife Stadium uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a part of New Jersey that I used to um, – Spent a, uh, a lot of time in about 20-plus years ago. I used to live down that way, actually. And um, not that it really means anything. I'm just very familiar with that area. And then certainly drove through uh, uh, 95, coming from Connecticut to New Jersey, all the time. I used to see Giant Stadium. And I haven't been to the new stadium, but I've been to the old stadium a few times. But that's where the Super Bowl is going to be. And we have... Um, the Denver Broncos, 13-3, and three, number one seed in the AFC. That's the American Football Conference. And they will be taking on the Seattle Seahawks, the number one seed in the NFC, the National Football Conference. And I guess if you had to, if you had to put money on it at the beginning of the playoffs, those were the two best teams in the playoffs. Those were the two best teams, probably the two most consistent teams throughout the year. Um and even though uh, I got both picks wrong, hey, I, you know, it, it happens. Uh, I still consider myself the omniscient one. I still will put my annual, my yearly predictions, not just games, but all of the things that I called. I still would put that up against anybody. But these two games I blew. <laughs> there's no, there's no, you know, it is what it is. I thought the Patriots would play better, and uh, 49ers came up a little short. We're going we're gonna to review both of these games, of course. Uh, we are certainly going to spend some time on the, the hot topic. Um, well, there's actually two, but one is kind of still still got a lot of legs, and that's Richard Sherman, of course. Uh, but there's also another one that's really got me intrigued, and that's uh, uh, Bill Belichick uh, very uncharacteristically calling out a former player. So we're going to talk about that, and uh, and we're going to get into some early storylines on the Broncos and the Seahawks. Now, you know, we probably won't make any predictions till next week. Uh, a lot can happen between, in a week between injuries and that kind of stuff. Percy Harvin is scheduled to play, so that's going to help the Seahawks. But, you know, we'll make our predictions next week. But uh, 
a lot to cover tonight. And, you know, guys, I apologize for anyone who's listening live or participating live. Um, I thought the uh, Pro Bowl draft was actually tomorrow night, and I guess it's a two-night affair. So, um, you know, but if you're DVRing it, I, I, I have it on, and I'm also recording it. Um, you, I, I know you'd rather listen to the Madden voice, Commissioner T, and the fellas than, uh, you know, the, 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 the Pro Bowl, which, you know, I mean, it's really entertaining. But, you know, let's talk about what went on this weekend. But as you guys all know, I don't do this by myself. I don't. I have, I have the greatest uh, group of co-hosts than any uh, NFL-related show could ever have. I don't have sports writers. I don't have uh, former coaches or former athletes. You know, I don't have broadcast journalists. But I have, um, uh, uh, joining myself, three of the most passionate football fans that you're going to find. So we come at it from a completely different level. Uh, my first co-host... Known him for a number of years, played uh, EAFL, Madden football, and won our first Super Bowl. But more importantly than that, if there's ever an accomplishment that you could have more importantly than being the EAFL Super Bowl one champion, the man has his PhD, and we know him affectionately as Dr. Train. Welcome to the Madden Voice. What's up, T? Did you actually say that they're doing a pro draft starting tonight? Yeah, I didn't realize it myself. Uh, it, it's a two-night thing, so they starting tonight and then finishing it tomorrow night. Uh, tonight's just – uh, it's on right now. It's just an hour. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, well, wow. I'm recording. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it's a couple hours ago. Um, so I thought it was just tomorrow night because that's all they advertise. Unless tonight – I don't know. Uh-huh. I really don't know, but, hey, we're going to do what we do. Uh, it's on, but I'm not sure what they're doing for picks tonight or if this is the pre – maybe this is the warm-up show. I don't know. Um, but let, let me bring on our other co-host. Is this guy is one of the best players in the in the, in the Madden game. He is uh, a member of uh, of the illustrious Madden Nation Club. If you don't believe me, just go to uh, Google, YouTube, uh, uh, iTunes, and go up Madden Nation Season Four, and you'll see K Star. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he can give you a quick Madden lesson whether you want to play him and get whooped, or whether you want to hire him and learn how to play the game. Ali Quick with two Ks on uh, on uh, on uh, Twitter, only one. I'm gonna I'm go ahead and give him his props of the four of us. Although you, know, you call both home teams, I don't know how many props I'm gonna give you. But nevertheless, he's the only one that got it right. He called Denver and Seattle. K Star, welcome to the Madden Voice. One of the best analysts in the game. We try me as a starting analyst like T. That's the story you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me? <laughs> oh, come on. It was two games to pick from. <laughs> like you Can you dig it? <laughs> Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Sherman. That was good. We're going to talk about Sherman. We're going to talk about Sherman. What's going on, K-Star? And last but not least, the newest member of the Madden Voice broadcasting crew, a man I've known his entire life and uh, has added a nice flair to the show. You know, even though we're brothers, you can see we we do come at this very differently. He's got his take, and I got mine. And, um, you know, I got to respect him for it. Uh, And this guy here down in Atlanta holding it down in the ATL. And uh, we call him, or I call him, and we're going to call him JB. Welcome to the Madden Voice. What's up, Green Nation, bro? K Star Train, what's going on? What's going on, Jay? What's happening? What's happening? Little big brother. (laughs) 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, well, let's jump right in. I mean, you know, and one thing is what we always try to do is we try to come at this a little differently because people have been listening to the, the recap of the games for two days. So certainly, we, we, you know, we, we, we don't want to regurgitate what we've been watching on TV for two days. But at the same time, some of it is worth talking about. But let's start with the first game. You know, we're going to get – I know everybody wants to hear comments and Sherman and Sherman, Sherman. I feel like uh, the clumps. I feel like, uh, you know, Sherman, Sherman, Sherman. You know, but uh, we're going to get to Richard Sherman. I know everybody's curious on our take on the whole Richard Sherman uh, situation. Um, but before, let's go there. I really want to talk, though, about the Broncos and the Patriots. Um, the Broncos did it. You know, I, 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 although I picked the Patriots and I stand by my selection, um, everyone will know that I've said that, you know, Peyton Manning is on the top of his game. And I, I really hope that our good friend Saint calls in because I do believe, in my opinion, that Peyton Manning has put the doubters to rest. It's over. That's it. It's done. There's no more doubting. Peyton Manning, he, he came, he saw, and he conquered. But I want to ask K-Star. K-Star, what is your take? We all know what, what uh, Peyton Manning did, and I don't think, uh, I mean, he played, he played a great game. But Tom Brady, you know, uncharacteristically of Tom Brady, he didn't really show up. Um, is it, you know, talk to me about your thoughts on Brady's performance. Was it more Denver? Was it Brady? A little bit of both? But what, what, what was your take on that? It was definitely a little bit of both, but early on it was Brady. I mean, he was missing deep throws, open down the sideline, down the post. Christian Bolton uh, had gone for touchdowns, but he just missed. And that's a big fight. In the second half, however, I mean, Peyton and that offense just dominated the time of possession, controlled the clock with the two longest drives they had uh, all season long. And so, I mean, at that point, it kind of was trying to uh, – Brady had to go into catch-up mode and uh, more up-tempo. They couldn't run the ball at all either, but it was definitely more Brady, um, I think, than, than Denver, uh, again, in the first half. But Brady, this is this was a letdown performance by Brady. Can't let him off the hook here. Uh, definitely expected a closer game. Um, I know the score was close, but a lot of it had to do with the fact that, a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, they just scored quick towards the end to try to make a game of it. But, I mean, Brady didn't show up for this game, and this is weird. We expected him to. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. It, he just failed to deliver, and the second half of the Denver's defense was just on top of it. Train, how much do you think it was the Denver defense, and how much do you think it was uh, Brady, you know, just not being the Brady that we're used to seeing in the postseason? Well, I'm gonna give more. I'm gonna give more accolades to Denver defense. True enough, Tom Brady was off, but there was also a defense that remembered uh, being up 24 nothing and letting Tom Brady score I don't know how many uh, record-breaking points in one half uh, to get them to win early on in the season at Foxborough. So I'm going to give a lot of credit to uh, – a majority of credit to that defense for, one, starting off almost the same as they did the last time. Uh, they, they allowed them to get three and then turn around and, and finishing up, finishing the job. They remember what happened. Uh, same as uh, Peyton Manning. He remembered what happened. So the offense did what they needed to do to finish. It was all about finishing the time. Jay, do you think that the fact that it's been talked about, there was no, there was no um, Gronkowski this game, and Brady's been working with, you know, sixth round and seventh round draft picks, 
He doesn't have any big-name receivers to throw to. Do you think it just finally caught up with him at the end? He went as far as he could with the talent he had? It's, it's arguable that you can say that. I mean, basically with the exception of a few games during the, the regular season where he had Gronkowski, I mean, he's been doing that basically all season long. So when it comes time for the playoffs, everybody on board has to step up. And I think he's, he's throughout the course of the year, he's had to build up enough chemistry with these um, sixth and seventh round and fifth round receivers where I don't think you can really use that as an issue anymore. I don't, it, it, it's arguable to say maybe it's caught up, but uh, I'm in agreement with, with Train. I think you got to give some credit to the defense. I think that scheme that Denver had uh, was working, and I also think you have to give credit to Manning because he came out and instead of building up a lead and relying on his running game, he still was attacking. And that's something that Normally, even in his days with, when he was with the Colts, we would see him build a lead and then rely on the running game to try and preserve it. And I didn't see that. He was he was laser focused, and a good offense will always help out your defense. Mm. I, I will only add that Brady uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically had seven overthrows, and research says that that is the most in a championship game in the last eight eight years, with the exception of 2009, where Brett Favre had nine. Um, And I knew Brady, as I was watching the game, I knew there were a number of overthrows. I didn't know it was seven, but that was the official count, seven overthrows. Um, You're not going to beat Peyton Manning playing that way. I I personally, um, I had no problem with my pick. I had no problem with picking the Patriots. Um, I was very surprised at Tom Brady's play. And I was also surprised at the lack of defense on the Patriots' side, and I think a lot of that had to do with Tlaib. So I'm going to go back to train again. You know, um, do you think the Tlaib injury, first of all, well, let me, let me just back up. Let me just back up. I want to ask train, because I know train is a lover of defense. What is your assessment of the Wes Walker pick play that Bill Belichick is now saying he thinks was intentional and was dirty and one of the worst plays he has ever seen? I mean, I've, I've seen that seen that play a few times. I, I look at it this way: one, uh, as a defensive favorite person, uh, I don't like it for the simple fact that it uh, it kind of puts the defense at a disadvantage. Here you you you're you're looking to cover your man, and you're not looking for another man to come across your face. And you know, if you do see him, then you're gonna make a move to get out of the way. But they do oh, it. I mean, Belichick. that's really not an issue. It's it's been it's been done yeah. forever. The issue is, do you think it was right. dirty? You think it was a dirty play? No, do you I think don't. Yeah, and, yeah that's, to... that's, that, oh, okay. that, that was going to be my next my next point. No, I don't think I don't agree with Belichick that it was dirty because it's been done. They do it. Uh, a lot of teams do it. So no, I don't think the play was dirty at all. Oh, hello. So, with that being said. Do you think Tlaib yeah. being out was a big blow now, for the Patriots? Yes, yes, that was huge. That was huge. I'm not saying they would have won the game had he been in there, but I know that that hurt them. That's that was that's their best defensive back. When you're going against a team that has their their deep four weapons in in the in the, in the uh, you know pass catching position along with uh, Sean Moreno and then you know um, you know hidden man Jacob Tammy. I mean they got weapons. And when you're missing your best defender to at least take out one of those weapons so you can kind of scheme the rest, that hurts your defense. Mm. So, you know, the injuries 
really did catch up with them. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying they would have won the game had Lee been in there, but it definitely changed the dynamic and put Denver on the all-out attack. No one could – I mean, they had nothing to stop them after that. K-Star, do you 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 uh, came out last week and said that <laughs> that was pretty funny. K-Star, you came out last week. Anyway, uh, K-Star, you um, stated last week that <laughs> Demarius Thomas, in your opinion, is the second best wide receiver in the NFL behind Calvin Johnson. Do you think Tlaib can cover him? I don't believe that Keith Tlaib was going to stick with Demarius all game. You can't run with Demarius. I mean. You know, on that pick play, although Demarius dropped it, he had uh, was was getting separation anyway. He didn't need Wes Welker to knock him out, but that was again a pick play. That's what happens when you remain coverage a lot. I mean, Peyton Manning anyway, and it's not just that Demarius is as good as he is for which he is, by the way, second best behind Calvin. Um, I will stick with that. It's the fact that you know Peyton Manning will even if, even if you are either covered, he's going to put the ball in fit in spots that are you know indefensible. So it's just one of those things that, like, the combination of Demarius being the player that he is, but also Peyton being as accurate as he is and throwing with such anticipation and just knowing the game and uh, how to get people wide open and, and man coverage and find the holes in the zones. I mean, I don't think Tlaib was going to stick with Demarius all game. Uh, Tlaib's a great cornerback, but, um, it, listen, Peyton was feeling it. He controlled that whole game. It was a lot easier to, be, to do without Tlaib, but he was going to guard Demarius. Hmm. Jay? You agree with that? Um, not a hundred percent. I think I think Talib would have given him a, a, some difficulty. I don't think it would have changed the outcome of the game. Um, I, I, I closer battle between those two players than than what is um, was normally I think would be the case. He's a pretty good defender, um, and and Thomas is good. Mary Thomas is a very good receiver. But I think the size of Tlaib would give him some difficulty. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, a little surprised absolutely. that Keystar. I mean, Tlaib shut down Jimmy Graham. You know, I mean, you know now, and, and let's remember, Tlaib shut down Jimmy Graham before anybody else did. He's the one that discla- that that gave the blueprint to how to shut down Jimmy Brand- Jimmy Graham. At that point, no one was able to cover Jimmy Graham until Tlaib got up in his face and got physical in that game and took him out, and then that was the blueprint. And so then we saw it happen again. So I think I, – I don't think – I mean, I know you're high on uh, Thomas, and that's fine. I don't – I mean, I, I don't get your whole – I don't get your whole – he's the second best um, in the league. I, I, don't, I don't get that at all. He's in the conversation, but I, I just think that's just ridiculous. The, the guy – he is clearly benefiting. Not ridiculous. No, when you quote stats – you're quoting stats from a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's benefiting from an offense that generated more passing yards in the history of the NFL. So I don't know if that's fair to just look at the stats and say, there it is. Um, yeah, I, I, he, he's a great receiver, but to just throw him ahead of, you know, Marshall and, and um, uh, Josh Gordon and Dez, and, I mean, just to throw him ahead of these guys, um, I, I just think it's ridiculous. I think he's in the conversation, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. And you can't, you know, stats are, are part of it, but when your quarterback throws for 5,500 yards and you're the number one receiver, yeah, you're going to get yours. I mean, you got Peyton Manning back there. You know, look at what Wes Walker's done throughout his career with Tom Brady, you know, but no one would put Wes Walker as a top five receiver. 
he benefited from having Tom Brady in a scheme that was designed to get him 100 catches a year. So um, I, I, I think you're overselling Thomas just a little bit, and I think you're underselling Tlaib a lot. I'm not saying it would have changed. I'm not, definitely not saying it would have changed the course of the game. I, I think the fact that the Patriots' offense could only muster up three points in three quarters was the problem more than anything else. And and had yeah. that offense done what we see it do, seen it do most of the year, then you got a game. But regardless what the defense was doing, when you only put three points in three quarters against a Peyton Manning led team, you're not going to win the game. It, it's just, it, so I don't. I agree no. with the guys. But I think you're I think you're really underselling Tlaib, man. Tlaib is, I mean, he he's a he's a top five corner. Tlaib is, is a very good cornerback. It's not just the fact that Demarius is super good. I acknowledge the fact that Peyton Manning is in fact Peyton Manning, and then because of that, he's that much harder to guard because even if he's quote unquote covered, I mean Peyton puts in spots where again it's indefensible. So I mean, it's one of those things. And I mean, yeah, but that, Demarius, that's not because But that hold but on, that, wait, wait, let me let me finish. Let me finish. Is, let me finish. Hold on. And the thing with Demarius is, I mean, the numbers are there. I really don't need reference to them. They're probably better than anyone else's outside of Calvin. But the thing with him is, even if you even if you have a great cornerback on him, um, the the one part about Demarius' game that separates him to me is the fact that he's so dangerous after the catch. I mean, he could catch a screen pass, and he can he got blockers out in front of him, and there's nothing really you can do about it. Like he's just that type of player. He's he had the most yards of the catch of out of any receiver in the NFL, and it wasn't even close. Um, and secondly, like with Demarius, it, it's just one of those, he's just a guy, a big guy, and he's someone in which, I mean, we talk about how Peyton had 5,500 yards and was the highest scoring, uh, you know, offense of all time. Well, Demarius is still a big part of that. I mean, Demarius is the most talented receiver Peyton's had in his whole career. So I think, I mean, it was, it was both players helping one another. Obviously, Peyton's Peyton, but we also saw what Demarius did, unfortunately, you against know, my students you know, with Tim you know, Tebow. K-Star. I didn't forget K-Star. that. K-Star, K-Star. You you you're so blasphemous sometimes. You you just you come out. <laughs> guy, I, I mean, did you hear what you just said? Most talented receiver yes. that he's ever had in his career. I mean, you just disrespect Marvin he's Harrison. He's the most like, talented physically, physically talented receiver Payne's ever had in his career. Physically talented. I don't see how you can dispute that. Uh, well, okay, you didn't say freak. physically talented because wide receivers. I, I, I mean, he's not the. I would say he's not the best wide receivers. I think that would go to Marvin Harrison hands down. Marvin Harrison's first ballot Hall of Famer. Unless this, unless his off the field trouble keeps him out, Marvin Harrison is the best wide receiver that Peyton Manning ever threw to. Period. Now, could Thomas be that? Could he become that? Yeah, but not after two seasons. I mean, I mean, you, you, you're quick to anoint people, but you got to play a career, dude. You know, you can't know. have. He's a... the most talented. Again, he's the most well, physically gifted it. player he's ever okay. played with. Physically gifted, I'll agree with that. Yeah, he's getting better. He's, he's a young guy. Physically, physically gifted, I agree with that. But that's different than talented. That's physically I just still keep yes. it within the context of your original question to him as far as to leave, and yes, absolutely, to leave can cover that too. I, I think that's he's one, I think, of, he's one I think of those corners. I think it's a good match. I don't. Yes. I, and a matter of fact, before Tlaib went out, uh, Thomas had one catch. So I mean, I, we don't know what would have happened. I would have been a great matchup, but Tlaib's resume, you know, is nothing to sneeze at. And I think I think his I think he did a good job. The issue though come. Tlaib is not the only guy on that offense. And that's another thing that Tlaib benefits. I mean, um, I'm sorry, Thomas, Demarius Thomas is not the only guy on that offense. And that's another thing that he benefits from when you, when you talk about his statistics. He's got a Welker. He's got another Thomas. He's got a Decker. You know, he, you know, Peyton's got the best receiving core 
you know, deepest receiving core in the NFL. Deepest. Anybody disagree with that? Nope. Okay, so I mean, you know, I, I just think that sometimes we make statements out of context. You know, he's a great receiver, and uh, I'm, I'm curious, K-Star, because I'm going to get you shortly when we talk about Sherman. I'm going to get you, because now you've got to come out your pocket and talk about Sherman. Not yet, when it's time, Richard Sherman against Demarius Thomas. <laughs> Woo! I love this show. If you guys want to call in, 347-838-9525, Train, did I lose you? Hold on. Oh, I did lose Train. Let me bring Train back on. There he is. Got you back, Train. Yeah, sorry about that. That's all right. 347-838-9525, 347-838-9525. The Twitter live feed is up at The Madden Voice, and you can certainly go on uh, Facebook, facebook.com backslash The Madden Voice. want to thank uh, all the new subscribers to the Twitter page, and uh, if you're listening to the show, I hope you're enjoying the show. Shout out to Rob Phillips, who uh, became a follower of The Madden Voice. Don't know that he's listening, but in case he is listening – Longtime DallasCowboy.com employee, and he went off to do his own thing. We had a nice little exchange. Um, uh, both of us picked uh, the Patriots and the uh, 49ers, and we were both wrong. But uh, if he did manage to tune in, shout out to you, and I appreciate the support. Um, all right. So uh, let's see. Going to save that topic for later. Let's go Seahawks and 49ers. And let me ask – let me ask Train. Um, well, you know what? No, let me let me let me let me let me go let me go let me go to let me go to K Star. I've been wanting to ask K Star this question since Sunday. K Star, I, I introduce you as one of the best Madden players in the world. I introduce you as a top Madden baller. I've been at tournaments with you. I had the pleasure of getting whooped by you at a tournament. I know how good you are firsthand. You, you, you're, you, you know how to play the game. Okay, You've made a ton of money playing Madden, and you're very good at it. You know better than anybody the Madden competition environment. You know what goes on when these two guys grab the sticks and they're playing. I know because I ref a lot of these games, and we had to try to keep the, the, the hype in order, okay? We had to keep the hype in control. But you were more of a humble player. You were, you were more of a guy, even though all your counterparts would run their mouths, you were more of that guy that just kind of let your game do your talking. So I've been wanting to ask you, who played in this, and people that have never played competitive Madden do not understand. They don't have a clue how much pressure there is playing in that environment. So I, I respect K-Star for having um, – done very well in that environment. Um, and I'm not trying to say it's NFL, but it's, a very, it's very competitive, and these guys are playing for six figures, so it's no joke. But that said, I, I'm curious, um, what – now, we have many facets of the Sherman issue. We have, first of all, the approaching Crabtree. We have the post-game interview. And then we have the subsequent – explanation slash apology. So, K-Star, um, my, my question to you is not about the apology. We're going to put that on the side. I want your thoughts on the Crabtree inter, uh, exchange and then the interview with Aaron Andrews. When you saw that break out, were you, like, hyped about it or were you like, what's this guy doing? How did you feel? I was hyped about it because – 
like you said, like when you're in a competitive environment, and trust me, the NFC title game, I'm sure, far more competitive than Madden environment. But, you know, I'm able to relate in the sense that when you are that into what's going on, that focus, that determined, and you make a play to, you know, affect the outcome of the game and pretty much launch your – and, you know, uh, Sherman launched his team in the NFC title game. And also, uh, in the same process, uh, kind of putting his brand out there of being the best cornerback in his case in the league with an exclamation point. And so when he basically went Macho Man Randy Savage on the mic, I thought it was wonderful because the guy was really excited and really enthusiastic, and I guarantee you, and like we heard, I mean, him and Crabtree were trash talking to each other all game. I've certainly been in games. Oh, I didn't talk. The only time I started talking to people is if they said anything to me. Like, if they got, if they, if they try to think for a second or, like, act even a little bit that, like, they, you know, were better than me, that's when I started running my mouth. So I know how that goes. And, like, with Sherman, he just made the play of his life. He put his team in the Super Bowl. And, again, he put himself on the map in the national spotlight. I don't think he was doing it intentionally. I think he was a competitor. Um, and at, at the height of the competition that, that he would uh, ever be in, and he was just Julian. And his exchange with Patrick, I had no problem with, only because, again, they were talk, trash talking to each other all game. Apparently it's pretty personal. It, it has some history to it. And, um, I mean, he won. I mean, he's allowed to say whatever he wants to say. He beat. He outplayed Crabtree. Uh, and then he made the play to win the game. So he absolutely had the, the right to run his mouth and go WWE uh, with Aaron Andrews on the uh, interviewing. It was great. Okay. Yes. J, J, JB, I want to go to you before I go to train. Everyone, we gonna, everybody's going to get a chance to talk on this one because it's the hottest topic still. Um, JB, you, you tend to be, you know, you and I have uh, uh, played some competitive ball on the same team, and you tend to be the guy who lets his game do his talking, and I tend to the guy that lets his mouth do the talking. That's one of the, one of the differences between you and I, although you, you can exchange it when you need to, but you, you tend to be more on the quiet side and we'll just go ahead and dunk on someone and just look at them and, you know, I'm the guy that talks about it. So I'm going to ask you, what were your thoughts on Sherman's approaching Crabtree and all the stuff that went on with that and then the subsequent post-game interview with Aaron Andrews? Um, I'm a little on the fence with it. I think in-game trash talking I have a problem with, and um, I, I know the two have a history, and that's fine. Uh, you go back and forth, uh, who's the better man, and, and you, you deal with it, and you show and prove, and you, and you talk about it, and that's fine. Uh, when you ran up the Crabtree, you know, pat on the backside and shake his hand and Crabtree's reaction, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, it's, you, you're in position to win the game, and he makes a play, knocks the ball away. So, yeah, I don't see why Crabtree wouldn't be a little um, ornery about that. I don't have a problem with it. When uh, Sherman got to the mic with Aaron, that's where I was borderline. I, I'm, 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 I'm torn with that one because I think that, for me, that's where you, where you have your last say. You say what you got to say, get it off your back. When he started to go overboard afterwards, that's when I had a problem with So if you cut it and stop it with Aaron, I'm all right with that because of the emotions that are involved. Big game, made a big play. They're going to the Super Bowl. I can understand that. Afterwards, there's a bit of an overkill to me. Okay. Train, same question for you, my brother. Hey, switch me over to the uh, other number. You see it, man. Go ahead, Train. Go ahead, Train. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm almost 
almost at the same place with you, bro. I, I didn't have a problem with anything Richard Sherman did, with the exception of the whole coming up to Crabtree after you make the play. The last thing an opponent want to do is shake your hand right after a play that they know they're about to, that they know they've lost the game on. Uh, his emotion in his post game interview is fine. But the thing I don't like about it is when you want to refer to Crabtree as sorry and mediocre. There's no reason to publicly disrespect him in that manner. The guy's a good receiver. He's not a great receiver. He's had his and there's no need I was waiting for, you... for someone to make. I was waiting for someone to make that point. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's no need to make an emphasis mediocre. Uh, mediocre. No, you're gonna have to face that dude. Years on, because he's submitted in San Francisco, barring that he stays healthy. He's the best pass catcher they have, you know, and, and I, I think Crabtree will only get better as long as he stays healthy. So you're going to have to consistently see him and study him. So it's just just to the, the – the, and, I mean, even Deion Sanders said it, said it you know, best later on in a, twi- in, in a, in a Twitter feed. It was like, you know, there's no, you know, you guys, stop. There's no reason to constantly go back and just disrespect each other. If you want – Competitive trash talk, that's one thing. Deion Sanders trash talk when he played, but not once did he disrespect his uh, opponent as to their capability on the field. It doesn't make any sense. That dude is a good receiver. You got the best of it, of an underthrown ball by Kaepernick. That's what you got. And I take none from Mr. Sherman, but it was truly an underthrown ball. I'm going to put it this way, and I'm going to put it in a way that Probably K Star will understand better than anybody, but I'm going to, I'm going to put it to you this way, and I've done a lot of thinking about this. Um, Richard Sherman is the reason why I'm not involved in Madden anymore. It is the number one reason why I do not involve myself in the competitive game of Madden on the national level as I used to, where I met K Star, where I was traveling with uh, Major League Gaming and refing tournaments, where even before that I actually played in a couple. I wasn't very good, but I played anyway. Okay. I was I was uh, uh, heading up a crew, okay? I mean, I was involved. And, and one of the reasons I don't anymore is because of the immaturity of the young adults that were involved in Madden and not understanding the difference between self-promotion and denigrating somebody. There's a guy in Madden, and we, we've we patched up our differences. We, 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 I don't consider him an enemy anymore. But when I was involved in Madden, there's a guy, he was also in Madden Nation Season 4, Yo Mama. That's what he goes by. And K-Star knows him well, okay? And this is a guy that was my number one nemesis when I was involved in Madden. This was my arch rival. I did a radio show. He did a radio show. You know, I had a crew. He had a crew, you know, and he targeted me, Commissioner T, made videos about me, made songs about me, uh, followed me on, 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 on uh, the message boards. And, you know, I went right back at him because it's what you do when you play Madden. You, you got to have thick skin. And But the difference is, I look at a Floyd Mayweather, and I look at how Floyd Mayweather will do everything to promote the fight, and then go and then back what he does in the ring, and then after it's done, he says nothing bad about his opponent. He goes, he gives them hugs, he gives them love, you see the interview after the fight, and, and not a bad word. Fight's over now. I did what I needed to do, it's over now. And he, even if he knocks him out in the third, fourth round, hey, he was a tough opponent, you know, he, maybe he didn't have a It says nothing bad about the opponent. And to me, that's what Richard Sherman has to kind of understand. And when he apologized, 
um, I, I don't I don't know that I buy any of the apology. The only thing I buy is when he said I didn't want to take the focus off my team's victory. That I believe he meant. Yeah, that that was weak. After that apology, it was just weak. Yeah, that that was yeah. the only thing I think he meant. Everything else I think was bull. I think he just yep. succumbed to the pressure of the media and all the scrutiny that went on. And I think I think he had to say something. But he's gonna do it again. And and I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. I'm tired of hearing the fact that he came from Compton and went to Stanford and had 3.9, and he's high. I don't care. I don't. Congratulations. You want a cookie? Good for you. Good for you. He goes back to Compton and works with the, the underprivileged kids. That's great. It has nothing to do with it, though. You know, because you just destroyed. You, what, did you, what do you do all that for? Because you're building this image, right? You want to build this image. You want to get back. You just destroyed it in 30 seconds by hollering and screaming. Um, ain't got no sense and as and i'm gonna go there y'all gonna have to let me go there y'all gonna give me 30 seconds to two minutes whatever i need i got to go there okay as a african-american male when you're out on the field andrews and we all know what aaron andrews went through when she was at espn the sexual harassment that she went through which is why she's no longer with espn and if you don't know just go google it okay you got to think for a minute. You don't go screaming and shouting, as K-Star accurately said, WWE style like that, and start denigrating your opponent. Do you know that Aaron Andrews was asked if she was scared? Now, she's a seasoned professional. She, she can handle it. But the image of that is not the image you want. What is wrong with you? Screaming and yelling like you ain't got no sense. It's one thing to say, our team is the best. We're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's another thing to say, yeah, I, I, I continue to show that I'm the best cornerback in the game, and I, I'm going to keep trying to take my game to another level. That's okay. But then all that other stuff, try me. You're going to try me. Dude, no. No. Not then. Do that on the sidelines with your team. That's what you do with Earl Thomas and the boys. That's what you do. what you do when you, you know. That's, you know, that Jay, when we used to play ball, right, and you'd be taking it down the court, man, and you okey-doke that dude, and the dude has something to say. Remember what I said to him about his, his shorts being left on the ground over when we was playing in Vernon, right? You know, there's yep. a time and a place for everything. That right? show was funny, too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a time and a place for everything. When you do the post-game interview, now get your – you can be excited, but think, just lose track of your surroundings. I think that was a huge, huge mistake. And then, of course, you guys kind of talked about this one, too. You go up there on the microphone. Now you've had time. Now you've had time, okay? And you're sitting over there emphasizing mediocre. Why? You want to pump yourself. First of all, I don't think anybody thinks that Michael Crabtree is a mediocre receiver. Guy's been injured. No. But he has the potential to be one of the top receivers in the game. He's just got to stay healthy. He hasn't been healthy. You know, they said he's got incredible hands. The guy just hasn't been healthy. So, I mean, it, it, it just, so much of it was just not okay. So much of it was just not okay. And I hope he learns and grows from it. Did you guys see the uh, uh, vid commercial he did? Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I laughed at that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying was to get the audio to play on the show, but I, I couldn't get it in time, so um, maybe I'll have it for the next show. But, yeah, it's pretty funny that the, 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 um, 
it's pretty funny. Obviously, this was previously recorded, and it's very accurate to what went on in this game. So this isn't new. This is an issue with this guy, with this guy, and he he you know he wants to be you know I think one of you guys referred to Dion. Dion's the best cornerback ever played a game. I mean, I mean, you know, if that's what you're aspiring to be considered, then just emulate Dion's actions. Because yeah, Dion talked junk on the field, but you never heard Dion go off like that in an interview or a rant after a game or you've never, whether they won, lost, whatever. And he had to cover Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, you know, Andre Rice. And I mean, he was covering and Dion was left alone on an Island. You know, he didn't have the Legion of boom. Okay. Let's just, let's remember that Richard Sherman's got some pretty talented, you know, defensive backs back there. Well, Dion didn't always have that. So, I mean, uh, you know, and, and look how Dion handled it. So I think, I think Sherman's got some growing up to do. And I think his apology was weak. So um, that's just that's Agreed. my opinion. Um, uh, uh, let's talk more Sherman in a minute. I want to go to Train and ask Train if you think that Kaepernick chokes. Uh, Sherman certainly made the choking symbol referring to Kaepernick. Um, but do you think Kaepernick choked? Absolutely. Here it is, a stage you've been on before, the game before the big game, and all you got to do is deliver. Absolutely, that boy folded. Folded, folded hard and quick. I mean, it was just everything he did down that stretch, all three of those turnovers, mental collapses. I don't care what you say if you said you're going to take – if you you would take the one on one every time you see it with Richard Sherman, that's fine. But throw the ball where only your man can catch it. But if you can't hit that, please hit the wide open dude in the flash that would have got you about ten yards and probably a touchdown. That dude choked some terrible. Cause I just I saw that drive and I'm thinking to myself, San Francisco is about to score. They can't stop them. They're killing them underneath. They don't even need to. You don't even need to go towards Richard Sherman where they were killing them underneath. They couldn't stop them. They were lost. And I was like, San Francisco's about to score and win this game. This is about to be awesome. No. And, of course, his two turnovers, he let them back in. So, yeah. Yeah, he chose. Mm. JB? Uh, normally, I would agree with, with, uh, with Train, I, but this one I don't think so. I think it's just a matter of obviously you can't turn the ball over against Seattle in Seattle. I mean, that's just a no-no, unexpected one. It's not going to happen. Uh, I just think that he made he made some bad throws, some inaccurate throws, and uh, he got caught looking down the field and not having that that clock ticking his head, and that's where he ended up turning the ball over. But uh, I, I tend to disagree because of the the way they built that lead and some of the throws that he did make, especially that one that jump pass to Anquan Bolden for the touchdown. I thought that was that, that showed a level of skill there. Um, and and the, the play that Sherman made, I mean, Sherman made a good play. He 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 just made a good play. So, no, I don't think he choked. I also think that we have to realize that he was still young. He was, like, what, 23, 24 years old. So he's going to make mistakes, and, and he's not going to have the same level of, of maturity or that same level of timing that you receive from the, the quarterbacks in the previous game, talking about Brady and Manning. So uh, I think he played well. I think he just he had made some mistakes at the wrong time, and, and that's what ended up causing him the game. K-Star predicted that Cap would throw an interception. K-Star, do you think that Kaepernick choked? I was waiting for this. Um, <laughs> I always call it interception. 
But I said Captain be the reason why the Seahawks will win this game because of the sloppy play against elite little pass defenses. This is a guy who's kind of in the pocket who will absolutely uh, is indecisive will make some ill-advised throws. And he definitely had some ill-advised turnovers on Sunday, all three in the fourth quarter. That, to me, is a recipe for disaster and no way you can actually win in that type of scenario. So which I predicted this guy would do it for his team over the bus. Well, he played very good in the first half was with his legs, and we can't need to make plays from the pocket. He failed to do so. And, yeah, he yeah. the problem with, with uh, some people defending that last play on Sherman is, one, he underthrew it, but, two, he went at Richard Sherman. The whole game, he uh, didn't he avoided him. And in his biggest moment, he went right at him. And that was uh, quite the mistake. And so, yes, to me, he choked. I'm not surprised by it. You're welcome, America. I told you. Well, I guess there's a reason why Jay and I are brothers, because I tend, I'm more on Jay's side here. Um, first of all, um, if he doesn't rush the ball 11 times for 130 yards, San Francisco ain't even in this game. Okay? Um, so, to, to, to say that he choked when um, his his leg play is what kept him in this game, number one. That throw that he made to Bolden over Thomas was one of the best throws I've seen in a very long time. Um, you know, and, and to say that, you know, okay, Sherman is considered the best cornerback in the game, and you have a lot of confidence in Crabtree, and if the ball's a foot higher into the back shoulder – uh, we might be having a different conversation. So I, I, I think he, it, you know, the pass didn't get there. And so, of course, we can look at it. And, you know, Sherman made a great play. Um, you know, Sherman didn't pick it, though. Sherman, you know, tip throw. Okay, so let's, 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 did, did, three turnovers. One of them was bad. That one pass on the left sideline, I don't know what the hell he was doing. That was bad. The, the fumble, I mean, I mean, you need protection. I mean, I, I rarely oh, blame. No, 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 no! Don't get. Away. I'm not gonna let you get away with that. He held on oh, to the that ball. Fumble is also that bad. I'm that sorry. You have him. to get rid of that ball. Your clock is ticking. No, Those guys are getting closer. You're not. You're looking to pass, and you're trying to roll out to the left, which is not your strong side. It's a different reason you're rolling off to the right, but you roll off to the left, and it's not your strong side. And you got the ball out to the right, from which the side they're rushing. You have to get rid of that ball. You can't let that turnover happen. I, I'm sorry, guys. I let y'all talk and didn't interrupt you. I'm sorry. Do I not get to make my own point oh, before y'all dispute it? I'm sorry, I don't get to make my own point. I'm sorry. Better make it better. Well, I, if you let me finish, then maybe then may, then I let you dispute it. If you if you don't agree with it, I saw it differently. I saw he, I saw him try to get rid of the ball. He was scrambling, looking for a receiver. He's trying to make a play. You know, sometimes as a quarterback, you got to make a decision. Should he have gotten rid of the ball? We can always say that when a quarterback gets sacked or when a quarterback gets hit and fumbles the ball. He was trying to make a play. I mean, the same thing when he made the play to Bolden. He scrambled out and made a and made an inc- jumped off both feet and made an incredible throw. Okay, I'm looking at him trying to make a play. You know, he's playing the best defense in the league and he's trying to make a play. I think that the uh, my point was that the other option was bad. That was a horrible throw. I don't know what he was doing. There was also a throw to, Cal- to uh, Crabtree on that same sideline. As the clock's running out, Crabtree don't get out of bounds. You know, you need some help from your team, too, when you're trying to manage the clock and come down and score, and Crabtree doesn't get out of bounds. I don't understand that. But the throw to Sherman, to me, that was a good play. You know, the ball just didn't get there. Sherman made a very acrobatic play. And then it ended up getting tipped into a, line, a linebacker's, of all people, a linebacker's hands. So I, I think that the crucifixion of Kaepernick on that, la, on that last quarter is a bit strong because if it wasn't for his overall play, this ain't even a game. 
this is nothing because he's the one that carried that team offensively. So that was my point. Um, you talk about his overall play. To me, he did what he's supposed to do. He did what he's best at. So there's no reason to, like, give him a whole bunch of kudos for doing what he's good at. He, that's what he does. He run, he, he's a good runner with the ball. He knows how to keep plays alive, and he can get down the field. He's been doing that all season long. So I expect him to do that against Seattle. And, and actually, he was successful doing that early on in the season against Seattle. So it's expected for him to do it in this game. Well, how can we, but how can far, we criticize Tom Brady for not doing what he's done all year, but then say Kaepernick is supposed to do it? Tom Brady was supposed to do it and didn't get it done, and we criticized him. And that's a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, you, and, and, and if you remember my argument, I gave credit to the defense. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. I gave credit to the defense for, 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 for putting it on Tom Brady. Yeah, he was off a little bit. Oh, he was off a lot. I also gave to the defense. And, he, and to, say, to, to say that uh, he was trying to make a play, yeah, it's true. Players are always trying to make a play. But at the end of the day, you need to make a play. You know, and just because you're trying to make a play doesn't excuse you from, from getting the ball knocked out of your hand. You got a clock in your head. Defenders are coming. Get rid of the ball. If you don't turn that ball over, you don't put – in that particular position, you don't put Seattle in a position to score, which is exactly what they did right after that turnover. I mean, plus All those two turnovers are When you start a game, you need to finish it. He started it well. You have to finish it well. You have to finish strong. Because all season, Seattle has been that team that hangs around and they wait for the opportunity and the defense gives it to them and then the offense puts it away. And this is exactly what they did in this game. Okay, so was it Seattle playing well or Kaepernick playing poorly? Because you're going back and forth. I'm saying is that Kaepernick didn't play a bad game. Seattle just played better. I think think there is a, a... I think there's two there's two ways to measure it, and I think people are being a little harder on Kaepernick because it almost feels to me very Romo-esque. It almost feels to me the same thing. Like, you know, people came down on Romo in a lot of games, and I had to defend him and say, you know, the, the game against Denver. You know, if Romo doesn't play out of his mind, they're not even in it. And I feel the same way about Kaepernick is he made plays, he was trying to make plays, and, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously you never want to fumble, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he would love to have that play back. He was trying to make a play. That's all I'm saying is he was trying to make a play. The other pass was horrible. I don't know what he was thinking. No excuse for that one. But I understand the fumble. And I understand the pass to Crabtree. That's, that is your best receiver. You know? And if, it was and a if bad throw. That was a bad throw. You don't think Sherman just made an incredible play? No, I, I think mean, that was a very, very good play. play. Been to the back of the end zone, where it should have been to the back pylon. When you're trying to throw a fade, fail, throw a fade route, Crabtree gets a better shot at that ball. He had no shot with the ball being underthrown and Richard Sherman underneath him. Yeah, Richard Sherman made a tip, and true enough, he ended up being a tip interception. But if you put that to the back. It's a, it's a, it's a bet it's a better chance for Crabtree than it is for Richard Sherman. I don't disagree that the the pass could have been better, but I think Sherman made a great play. Sherman made an, a a very acrobatic play. If you watch, his whole body is contorted because of how he had to twist to deflect that pass. He made a great play, and he's you know he's the best in the game. Um, you know, but partially why it was a bad decision and a bad throw. You have to throw a perfect ball in that type of situation, and he underthrew it, and he also went at the best cornerback in the game. 
But you're saying I mean, it like he's not supposed to. I mean, you, that's ridiculous. If you, well, if he you voted them all game. He voted them all game for a reason. Uh, well, I mean, and now you're putting words in his mouth. Now we need to find out from him how, how were the matchups all passed on Sherman I, twice the whole game. I understand that. I just know when I look at that play, when I saw that play, I saw another another person he hit. Let me chase off for a second here. You're making assumptions. I'm not going to let you just make assumptions. Fact, he threw at him twice. Absolutely. But we don't know why. Came out and said, we were getting open. I don't know if it was. I'm going to have to watch the tape and see. He said, hey, we were getting open. Okay, that's what Okay, well then. Okay, well then again, how does Kaepernick not take some accountability there uh, from you? How do you not place blame on him if they had people open, if they weren't purposely, like, you know, we're trying to get the ball to the guys and it wasn't a game plan necessarily about Sherman, but it has to fall on Kaepernick. And, again, I mean, he had three turnovers in the fourth quarter. I don't understand how you can't sit here and expect the man to not have that choke label for this game. I mean, how he has that interception he threw, the god-awful one, like, two plays later, that's when Seattle took the lead after a touchdown pass. Like That interception was, was that was inexcusable. That interception was bad. My point is that he, you know, the, the the fumble to me, he's trying to make a play. Okay, you guys think it was horrible? I respect that. I just look at it as he was trying to make a play. Okay, the pass to Sherman, I think Sherman made an incredible play. Okay, I would love to see the sports science on how he, you know, how he, because he literally had to do, you know, a, a 270 turn to get his hand up to to swat the ball, and then the linebacker happened to be trailing. Okay, so they got a pick out of it, um, you know. So I think we're we're I think we're too hard on on the call, and Sherman deserves a lot of credit for making a a, a great play. It really was a great play. It was an incredible play. But I'm not I'm not going to blame Kaepernick for going after you, you. You know, there are times when you want your guys to be you know number one receiver for a reason. That's your number one receiver. Okay, you don't got Randy Moss anymore. That's your number one receiver. So you're trying to make a play. You need to throw the ball up, and your guy needs to make a play. Simple as that. And sometimes you're going to win, and sometimes you're going to lose. Sherman made a great play. That's football, though, you know. And he wanted his, his, his top guy, who I think it was the coach that came out a couple games ago and said had the best hands he has ever seen, right? Harbaugh came out and said, Crabtree has the best hands I've ever seen. So they think very highly of Crabtree. So I don't blame him for going at Crabtree no matter who's covering him. I think that that's, hey, it's fourth quarter. You try, you know, you go after the guys that are, that, that this is your money, man. Sherman made a great play. That's all I'm saying. Is Sherman made it. Made My, a play. The difference though is Russell Wilson not turning the ball over in the fourth quarter. I'm just saying. I, I, okay. My reason for the choke label is is, you know, you still have to finish. You have to finish games the way you start them. That's the reason why I give them the choke play because you have to finish that game. Seattle was still hanging around. You have not put them away. You only have a four-point lead. You have to protect the ball. You have to finish that game. And he made three crucial mistakes all on him towards the end of the game. And that put and that's what gave Seattle the win. Nothing to do with the number one. Defense. Nothing to do with the number one defense in the NFL, who tur- who also created the most turnovers in the NFL. Nothing all, to do with with, the, with all them. All three of those mistakes would have been avoidable with his decision making. All three of them. So I'm not. I'm not, not. Not so much that I take anything from Seattle, but I'm just saying all three of those mistakes would have been avoidable with better decision making from Kaepernick versus 
Seattle just making a good play. I got, I got no problem with the pass to uh, to Crabtree. Jay, what do you got? Well, let's, let's back up a second. I mean, first off, last I checked, it's still 11 on 11. Also, what happened to Frank Gore? I mean, we, we've got to talk about Crabtree. We've got to talk about Kaepernick. We've got to talk about this. Where was, where was San Francisco's running game outside of Kaepernick? Gore rushed for what, 84 yards or something like that in the previous week. Where was he? I mean, you want to talk about Kaepernick? I mean, that's all fine, but you got a young quarterback. You need a running game to take the pressure off him. So you're back there and you're seeing the rock. You don't have a running game because go ahead and done anything that game. Nothing whatsoever. It's kept being Kaepernick's arm, Kaepernick's leg that kept San Francisco in the game, in the lead, in the first half, and, and then hanging around in the second half. So I, I, I find a problem putting that kind of label and that kind of pressure on when he's the only one really out there that was able to produce anything. Well, for one, to my understanding, their running game uh, got slowed down with an injury to the well, – I forgot, I can't pronounce that guy's, that guy's yeah. name. Are you potty or are you potty? Yeah. But Gore wasn't doing anything before the injury. That's my point. So before he got hurt, after he got hurt, made no difference. Gore wasn't getting any yards. Kaepernick was, and, and going back to all the talk with Sherman, if I do recall in that 58-some-odd-yard run, uh, Kaepernick broke Sherman's tackle and, and was able to get additional yards. Mm. Kaepernick kept him in the game. And I'm not seeing, I, I'm, I'm not arguing any of that. Kaepernick did what he had to do to keep him in the game, but you got to finish. That's my whole point. You still have to finish. Regardless of what he did the first three quarters, regardless of what any player does, you still have to finish a game. But, Trey, the he lack of finishing fail. doesn't equal choking. That's my point. He didn't finish. That doesn't equal choking. The other team had something to do with the it, fact that he didn't finish. That doesn't mean he choked. You're it saying it's awful turnover. He choked last uh, in the last inning of the game. Three, four quarter turnover. Oh, wait. Three fourth-quarter turnovers in the championship game, and that's not a choke. One of them being one of the worst throws I've ever seen in Reeves, and that's not a choke. And the other one, the fumble where he got flushed out the pocket, held on to the ball for far too long, and got stripped from behind him because he had no mental uh, time on his clock, or uh, he didn't have the presence of mind to get the ball out of his hands quicker when he has guys were bearing down on him. Like, it's ridiculous. But you, you can say that about all the quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, it's not the first time that he's been stripped trying to make a play down the field. I mean, Three we're not turnovers. And uh, we're we're not talking about the other quarterbacks in the NFL. We're talking about Kaepernick right now. But what I'm saying is this. <laughs> talking about. You, you can label that against any quarterback out there because they've all had that happen to them. So to say that he choked because of that type of play, you can say that about any quarterback out there. They've all had that happen to them. Actually, Everybody, I would. If you ask me that question, and a quarterback uh, uh, did what he did, any any quarterback did what he did towards the end of the game, yeah, I put it on Jay Collier. He choked. Mm. Well, I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, K Star, you don't don't do the Richard Sherman on us. You could say it once. We heard you three. I understand. I saw the game too. I can count three turnovers. We just see it differently. I see one bad turnover. That one pass he made to the left sideline. I don't know what he was thinking. I got no defense for that one. You guys say his mental clock, he needed to get rid of the ball. I'm saying he had no running game. He's trying to make a play. He's trying to win the game, okay? And that scramble out, he was trying to make a play. Simple as that. That pass to Crabtree, 
He saw it differently. He's back there throwing the ball. I don't think it was as horrible as you guys are thinking because it's not like Crabtree just went up and picked it. It had to be tipped back to the linebacker, trailing for it to be picked off. So it, it's not as you guys are making it say, that's horrible. I can't believe he would throw that. What? If it was that bad, then why wasn't Sherman able to just pick it out of the air then? If it was that bad of a throw, because it wasn't. Just Sherman made a great play. If it was that it horrible was also of a throw, ball. if it was that horrible of a throw, then why didn't the number one cornerback in the NFL, who's had more more interceptions in three years than anybody playing the game, why didn't he pick it then? Because it wasn't it was, bad. See, you can see, you can make it sound. You can make. I didn't use the word horrible. I said underthrown. I'm not using horrible. It's an underthrown ball, and that's a it fact. If if you if you look if you look at the play, and you I've see seen it there, several times. I'm I'm gonna finish my sentence. If you look mm-hmm. at the play and you see where Crabtree is reaching to grab the ball, it's going right into his hands. It's going right there, and Sherman puts his hand up and deflects the ball back. Watch the play and watch Crabtree's hands. Where Crabtree is reaching to catch that ball, that ball is going right there. Now, could he? Have and put I it also up? know if could receiver, he, he if a receiver's momentum is going one way and they have to reach back to catch a ball, that means the ball is underthrown. Yes, if Sherman doesn't get a hand on the ball, he catches it, but the ball is still underthrown. And the only other point, let me slightly. let me get this out. Slightly. The only other point I wanted to make about that one play is that their offense was moving so well underneath that he had better options underneath and a lot more time to get into the end zone versus taking that shot. If you want to take the shot, that's fine. But if you're going to take that shot, put it in the back of the end zone where the defender doesn't even have a chance at the ball. I don't, I don't disagree with that statement. I just don't have a problem with going for the touchdown because when you're playing a defense like that, you can't take anything for granted. And at some point, you got the running game was gone. So at some point, you got to punch the ball in, and you're playing the best defense in their stadium, and you're trying to get – you're down six. You're trying to get the game-winning touchdown. He saw Crabtree open. Sherman made a great play. Could he have thrown it a little bit better? Yeah. I just don't think it is, is, is as bad of a throw as you are implying. Because when I watched it, and like you said, right, it was behind him. That's where it was supposed to be. He, that's where it was it supposed was, to be. It was underthrown. See, I'm not labeling the throw bad, horrible, or anything like that. All I'm saying, it's an underthrown ball. And I'm saying it was underthrown slightly. Underthrown balls give defenders a chance. And I'm saying it they was They just slightly. do. And I'm saying it was slightly underthrown. <laughs> if it was more underthrown, Sherman has a pick. Sherman said it himself. No matter what attitude you put in front of it, at the end of the day, it's underthrown. Okay, but but slightly underthrown versus underthrown where it gets picked off, to me, doesn't mean he choked. To me, that 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 is as easily as he tipped it is as much as he could have missed it, and it could have been a touchdown. It was that it was that that close of a play. Like I said, my 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 definition of describing him as choke is the whole conglomeration of. Everything that everything that transpired, all three turnovers, and all of them, I feel like my own opinion, my own visual opinion, all three turnovers could have been avoided with better decision making, better accuracy, better thrown balls by Kaepernick. That's the reason why I put the choke label on. That's my opinion. 
So did, so so let me just ask you this then, because you didn't say this earlier. So did Brady choke? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. No, because you didn't ask the question, T. You phrased the question. The question you phrased to me earlier was, who do I put it more on? And, yes, I gave more credit to the defense. Oh, I got to ask. That's the question you asked. So I didn't didn't, didn't ask about choking. You didn't ask who should get more credit. You put it on the topic. It's not a trap. No, no, no. When I brought Brady's performance... You said you gave the defense credit. That's a fact. You said I give it more. On the, that's what you said. Now Kaepernick mm-hmm. had the four fourth quarter, and you say it was on Kaepernick. And I'm saying, what's the difference? Forget how I phrased the question. I'm not trying to trap anybody. I asked now. You're saying Manning choked, but you're also saying that it was mostly on the defense. I mean, I'm not sorry, Brady choked. <laughs> And to so, answer your question now, yes, they both choked. But with yes, Brady, they did. Because the one now, thing I kept hearing all week about Tom Brady, which I hate hearing, was, oh, well, he didn't have his targets. He hasn't had his targets all season long. And yet, they find themselves in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, he did choke. Brady missed his targets. That was his problem. But Kaepernick's was an implosion in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Ah, okay, guys. Um, I, you know, my main point was, I think that if if now you're clarifying that Brady choked too, but you gave Denver's defense a lot more credit than, than you're giving Seattle's defense for Kaepernick. Well, the reason why I gave Denver a lot more credit, just let me clear that last point up, is because it was Denver throughout the game. I mean, they 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 were held to three points for three straight quarters, so that's why I'm giving Denver's defense a lot more credit. But on the on Seattle's game, they were moving the ball through Colin Kaepernick. And when it came down to the wire, he couldn't finish. That's what I saw. For the record, I said Brady. And I, and I, don't, have, and, and I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with Kaepernick not finishing and that being the label. I think the choke label is, is I honestly, I think the choke label for either quarterback, they didn't, you know, they didn't finish. I, I will, I will agree. Um, I think both defenses had a lot to do with what we saw. Maybe not as much with Brady because seven overthrows is a lot. And I think that that is, that, that is an issue. But um, I, I just feel like when I was watching the game at no point that I even with three turnovers, because I don't think K Star, you can just say three turnovers blanketly means he choked. I'm looking at the quality of each play and in and, and my assessment, my eyes, what I saw, I saw one horrible play. And that was that pass to the sideline that was picked off. Like he just threw it right to him. I didn't have a problem with the fumble. I thought he was trying to make a play. Yes. I get the theory of you have to have a mental clock. This is not regular season. This is playoff ball. You're trying to win a game here. You're, you're out. That's it. There is no tomorrow. He's trying to make a play. He's got no running game. His, his number one offensive lineman is out. I got it. And when it happened live, I didn't feel like he choked. I felt like he was trying to make a play. You know, and with Sherman, hey, man, as much as I didn't like Sherman's reaction, if you look at just the play itself, oh, the play itself was, was great. It was a great play. I thought I thought it was sensational. That's why, and 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 so that people know that I'm consistent. We had an argument about Tony Romo choking against Denver. 
And I had this, I said the same thing. The, the linebacker made an insane play to pick off that ball. And so, to me, when, a de- when the defense has a scheme that works, I don't know how much you can come back and say, well, the quarterback didn't get it done and he choked. He didn't, he didn't win. He didn't deliver. But the defense and train, we've said this all year about defenses not getting enough credit. Well, I think this is a classic case of Seattle's defense deserving to get more credit than to just say it was all Kaepernick bad decisions. And, hey, there was a reason why maybe some of his decisions could have been a little bit better. He's playing a pretty good damn defense that knew that they needed to deliver. They knew the game was on the line, and they were able to scheme and do what they needed real, to do. Real quick, though, just for reminder's sake, the Niners were up 17-13 going into the fourth quarter. Kaepernick turned over three times, no points scored for the Niners in the fourth quarter. Just something to remind everyone. That's yeah. very telling to me. I don't know why. You act like no one saw the game, man. You're the only one that saw because the game. I just don't understand how that assessment is. I mean, I just, if that's not a choke, then I'm not really sure what it is at this point. Wait, the defense, though. I mean, you're talking about the number one defense in the entire NFL playing at home with a crowd of 110 decibels. Give credit to the defense. That's, that's Yeah. Y'all got to eliminate the background noise. We are live on the Madden Voice, going at it here, discussing, did Kaepernick choke, did he not? How great is Richard Sherman? And uh, you can call in and join us at 347-838-9525, 347-838-9525. You are live with Commissioner T, the omniscient one, Dr. Train, the man with the philosophy, K-Star, one of the best Madden players uh, to play the game, and uh, the, the, the younger brother, Setting it off, JV, showing his knowledge of the game. We're doing it live for you right here on the Madden Voice. Send me a tweet, if you like, at the Madden Voice. You can even go on Facebook, put a comment. Like the page while you're there. Don't just put a comment and leave. Go ahead and like the page. And I want to say just a a hello to all the new Twitter fans. I've been doing a lot of marketing, and uh, we've tripled our Twitter following. So anybody that's out there in Twitter's fear, hello and welcome to the Madden Voice. Um, Let's just take a minute before we continue uh, talking NFL, um, let's continue talking NFL. But let's 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 switch uh, off the games for a second. Um, I was going to talk Pro Bowl, but since it's kind of on, I guess there's really no reason to talk about it. I thought it was tomorrow. It's actually was like tonight. So uh, scrap it. We'll talk Pro Bowl next week and 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 analyze how we think the format did. Was there any surprises? Did Dion and and, and uh, Jerry Rice actually suit up? How was the game? You know, so we'll, we'll talk about the Pro Bowl next week, and uh, we'll also make our official uh, Super Bowl picks next week. Um, Mike Zimmer, a defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, goes to the Minnesota Vikings as their head coach, and I was really surprised at a lot of negative reaction over Mike Zimmer going to the Vikings. Uh, let, me, let me ask uh, Train first, since the Vikings are in his divisions, um, your thoughts, if any, on Mike Zimmer becoming their head coach. Right. Sorry, I muted myself. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know a whole lot about that guy, other than you know, he was pretty successful with, uh, you know, the Bengals' defense. Uh, not so much as afraid of him taking that job as much as Caldwell taking, <laughs> taking the Detroit job. So, really, him being a defensive guy, it's, it's, it'll still be 
you know, it's still a question of what will he do for them offensively. Uh, what can he do to help them offensively so that, you know, everything isn't on Agent Peterson's shoulders? Because, I mean, Vikings defense, I mean, Leslie Fraser was a, was a defensive guy. And the Vikings defense, you know, they, they, it's been up and down. So maybe he'll solidify the defense, but it's still a question. What are you going to do at quarterback? And what are you going to do to get AP some help? Because he can't run like that forever. K-Star, your thoughts? Uh, Zimmer was the defensive coordinator for the Bengals. They were in your division. Your thoughts on Zimmer taking over uh, the Vikings? I thought it was a pretty good hire. For one, I'm happy that he's no longer in Cincinnati because those coordinators they had there were terrific, him and Jay Gruden. Um, but uh, Zimmer was a very good coordinator. He, a lot of players, in my opinion, in my assessment, overachieved in Cincinnati defensively. And schematically, they were always sound, um, always, or since he's been there, one of the top ten defenses in uh, the NFL typically each and every season. And, I mean, if you listen to how the Bengal players think about Mike Zimmerman, they love that man. And it wasn't just from uh, reading some tweets and just some uh, post-exit interviews and all that stuff. It wasn't just the fact that he was nice to them or took it easy on them because he didn't, because he challenged them and improved the, the level of play of those players who, am I, again, have overachieved, but, you know, challenged them as men as well. And I think you need someone who uh, can do that as a head coach because right away you're still as authoritative figure. That's your role. And you have to have players that believe in that and believe in you. And so I think it's a very good hire for Minnesota. Mm. Jay, any thoughts on Zimmer going to uh, Minnesota? Um, I don't have too much of a problem with it. I'm a little lukewarm on it. I think he's a great defensive coordinator, but I'm really not 100% sure if that's where the issues for Minnesota lie. I think when you bring in Josh Freeman, doesn't pan out. Christian Ponder hadn't played well. Then you've got uh, the journeyman there. Uh, what's his name? Um, Castle. Uh you need to solidify the offense because I agree with, with uh, Train. Peters is not going to run like that forever, and I, and I hear rumors that it, it, there's a question that he might need surgery on his groin in the offseason. So um, he's a little banged up, and you don't want to put all that pressure on him. Plus, you've got uh, Cordero Patterson, who seems to be coming into his own now as a pretty good wide receiver, better known as a kick returner, starting to show some hands, starting to show that he's a very good route runner. But you need to find a quarterback that can get the ball to folks like that. So I was hoping they would find somebody more with an offensive slant so they can solidify the quarterback position, solidify the offense, and start to score some points And instead of having to rely on defense and special teams. Uh-oh, Hello? Hello? Do we lose somebody? I hear you, Jay. Is T still there? I don't know. I think there's been some phone issues because I got booted off and had to get back on. So, uh, hello, uh, hello. Star, are you there? All right. There he is. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Am I back? Hello, bit, hello. Yeah. You are. You're back. You are live. Yeah. Okay. You're back. Dude. All right. Thank you. I, I have no idea what happened. Um, I guess y'all lost me for a second. Um, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of Mike Zimmer. He was defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys for a number of years under Bill Parcells. Um, and maybe you guys missed it, but uh, Norv Turner 
will be the offensive coordinator for Minnesota Vikings. So, um, yeah, train be very worried. <laughs> um, that's now that's that's something to worry about right there. Yeah, that's that's, that's a very that definitely good. is. Yeah, that that's a very good. Feel, that that makes me feel a lot better because I was ignored turn to know some stuff about about running the offense and quarterbacks and getting the scheme right. So I didn't realize that. So that I feel better now. Now you got an offensive mindset and you got a defensive okay, mindset. Can I, can I, well, I can't. I, this was my moment. Now you don't just, just steal my. <laughs> now you trying to analyze it? You didn't even know. Anyway, one that was for a minute. I'm surprised you heard anything I said. I'm just. Well, I don't know. <laughs> The point that I'm making is, let me finish my point, because y'all didn't even know. Norv Turner, another Dallas Cowboy, won three Super Bowls as offense coordinator back in the 90s for the Cowboys, has had a shady history as a head coach with the Chargers and um, I believe briefly with uh, the Browns. And um, he is is now going to be their offensive coordinator. And I think that is going to be a very, very strong duo. Both players, coaches, um, you know, there aren't, you know, as far as an offensive coordinator goes, I don't know that there will be a better one in the NFL than North Turner, just based on what his history has sent. And as far as defensive goes, I mean, you know, we can talk to Ryans and we can talk um, Frazier and, 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 and Levy Smith, and these, but, you know, Mike Zimmer has, has had very good defenses in Cincinnati. Um, three times in the top ten, and he had some pretty good defenses in Dallas. Um, there was rumors that Dallas may want to bring him back, but I knew North Turner had been waiting for a head coaching uh, shot, and I'm happy for him as a former, as part of the Cowboy family and as part of the Bill Parcells coaching tree. I'm very happy for him to finally get a chance to be a head coach, and um, just on that level, I'm happy, very happy for him, and I hope he um, – you know, without putting loyalties aside for a second, I hope he does well. I know Train doesn't, but, you know, it's not my division. So, um, <laughs> so um, the other thing I want to ask is there's this, there's this talk about um, <sighs> getting rid of the extra point. And um, the, the latest discussion on getting rid of the extra point would be one of the theories, and, and this is just talk at this point, but one of the theories that Commissioner Goodell um, d- disclosed would be that touchdowns would be worth seven points, and then the team has the option to go for a conversion, and that would be passing or running, not kicking. And if they made it, they would get eight, the eighth point. If they missed it, then they'd go back to six. That was the one that caught his eye the most of all of the options. Um, I don't know. We'll go one at a time. Uh, let's start with K-Star. Your thoughts on getting rid of the extra point and looking at something like that in place of it? I'm fine with it. I actually like the idea only because at this point, I mean, the extra points were at one point challenging because they weren't just, you know, kickers. They weren't specialists at that position. They were defensive guys or an offensive lineman. They were football players having to kick the extra point. That's what it tended to be, um, not an automatic. I think the number this year was 99% of the kicks extra points were made this year, and that there were only like three minutes. Um, so that kind of tells you how easy it is and how it's a gimme type of play. Um, you can add more assignment to the game by doing that. And, I mean, I think it adds a little bit more strategy. Like, if that's the thing is that the, with the ball would be put the one year your line. Um, and, I mean, honestly, I don't know if I like the whole idea about gambling. Like, basically, you could touch down seven points. They're like, you know, if you gamble, 
you get eight, but if you do, you lose, you know, you go back down to six. I don't know if I like that concept of it, but I'll tell you what, it's still, more, it's still be far more exciting than an extra point in the NFL because that plays automatic at the gimme, and that's usually when bathroom break time. So let's be real here. JB? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with, with K-Star. Um, I don't see any problem with getting rid of the extra point. I think there was, um, yeah, it was about five out of 1,200 extra points were missed throughout the year. I mean, too simple now for, for kickers. I mean, you got folks hitting 60-yarders now. So they needed to change something. I, I wouldn't have any problem if they did change it. Um, it, it with the interesting piece, just do a little history, it would be interesting to see the, the level of points that a player would get now because obviously uh, players like Terry, obviously you know Emmitt Smith, folks that have scored a lot of touchdowns, wonder how their careers would have been or how many points they would have had if they had that additional point tacked on to it. So uh, just a little additional flavor would be added into it. It's something different. Trey? Just to continue on what Jay is saying, on the flip side of that, you also got to look at the kicker's uh, scoring history. So now you're going to take about a good, maybe about a good 40, maybe I will say maybe as low as 30, maybe 50 points away from a kicker during a season, uh, considering that a team can put up a combined maybe 30 to 50 touchdowns passing and rushing. So now you're going to take those points away from the kicker uh, as far as them, you know, going for whatever record, you know, the kickers have. But uh, I honestly don't have a problem with, the setup, you know, and I don't, I don't see it so much of, so much of as a gamble. K Star than the gamble that they already have. It's still a gamble if you go for two versus uh, take an extra point. So to me, it's essentially the same. You still, it's still a gamble to go for two, uh, regardless whether they change it or they don't change it. I'm not sure if they want to go with the other option of moving the moving the spot further because I mean, how much further are you going to move it back before it becomes you know, like a normal field goal. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll be the voice of dissension, but that seems to be tonight. I hate it. I don't like it. I think that um, this commissioner is more concerned with his legacy. Um, I, I don't see it's not broke. Don't fix it. There's so many things that I think you should be paying attention to. I like how it's set up now. Yes, the extra points automatic. That's fine. It should be. Um, but the, 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 the challenge of when to go for one and when to go for two, you know, I, I enjoy that. You know, there are certain times in a game where things happen and the, co- you know, the coach has to make a decision and should I go for one, should I go for two, and you're down by three scores. And I, I love all of that. Okay, and I don't see a reason to change that. I think of all the things in the game, I don't care that, you know, okay, talent has improved, kicking has improved, so they're making 99 out of 100. Great. Super. I, I, you know, let's talk about replays on, on fumbles like what happened with Navarro Bowman. You know, let's talk about that. You know, they want to talk about the season and going into 18 games and cutting back on the preseason games and adding a, a, a playoff team to the mix. Okay, let's, let's get into those discussions. I think, honestly, my problem is I'm beginning to think Goodell is really worried about his legacy. He wants to leave behind massive changes in the game so that when he's done, he, he he's had this huge impact on the game, and football I, I, life. I, what's that? 
I said we had a, uh, a football life, Roger Goodell. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, and you can sit there and list all the, all the accomplishments that he's done. And I think something like this to me where there's really no reason. I mean, I saw his interview and I said, well, we want every play to mean something. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, when when it's 35-34 and there's no time on the clock and you're in Seattle kicking the extra point um, to tie the game to go into overtime, that extra point means something. Okay, and I think they talked about the seat, uh, John Carney missing an extra point in 2003 uh, for the Saints that would have sent them to the playoffs or something along those lines. So it, it, I, there are times when that extra point does mean something. So for me, of all the things that they can deal with, I, I commend them on the concussion thing, although now I think, um, you know, there was, a, there was a, a, a flagged play that to me, you know, should, I think you guys know the one I'm talking about. Um, where they say he launched and, and he, it was helmet to helmet, and when you look at it, oh, it was yeah. really, you know, was, where's yeah. the replay? Yeah, to me, yeah. to me now, if if it's Monday and you're Roger Goodell and you see that play and you realize that maybe there was a missed call, to me that's something to think about in the off season because that's not the first time that that's happened. In in the referees confusion on what to call and what not to call in this new day and age of protecting the quarterback, protecting the receiver, and making sure people don't get concussions, I think the refs are getting kind of confused now on what's a legal hit and what's not a legal hit. And so how do you, how do you refine that so you're not potentially costing people games? I think there's just so many other things that they should be looking at in this era of trying to be safer you know, and dealing with all the points that are being scored, that the extra point, you want to mess with that? Really? Leave it alone. I, you, you know what started the discussion, right? Uh, no, actually, I don't. So, so educate. Okay, so a few weeks ago, um, during some post-game, Bill Belichick was actually complaining about the extra point. And he actually was the one who was, re- like, reeling off the chest and being the historian here talking about how when the extra point was intended in football, it was not for specialists. It wasn't for kickers. It was for, again, defensive backs, the linemen, whoever uh, was about that kicking on the team, but it wasn't a designated kicker per se. And um, uh, here's what's on percentages as far as, like, you know, how the extra point um, uh, now, you know, these days compared to what it was in the 60s and 70s and 80s, how it's steadily improved dramatically, and now it's just 99% across the board almost pretty much every year, um, and how it's just, it's just very uneventful. So, so as far as the Goodell thing, I don't really agree with that because to me, I think Goodell listens to that. Bill Belichick's a boy from which everyone, when he talks, people listen, especially when it comes to something like that. I think it brought the discussion, and I think that's why it's being discussed. I don't think it's really a Goodell eco thing. I think it's a good idea. We have a chance to make the game more exciting. Um, I'm all about it. Like, if people wanted to say, like, you know, we don't, I don't think we should add a Thursday night football game because, you know, it's always been Monday and Sunday. I mean, I, I don't know. I know it's not within the game, but they changed overtime a couple of years ago, and uh, the overtime rules, and I personally was in favor of that, and I think it's going to be game better. Why not change the you know, extra point when it's just basically, again, a bathroom break at this point? Me, well, me. let me let me let me let me clarify. I did not say that the discussion around the extra point was due to his ego. What I'm saying is that this commissioner, to me, is equally concerned with his legacy as he is with the game. He's equally concerned with you know he's he's following some very powerful NFL commissioners, you know, and uh, Tagliabue and Roselle. And I think I think he's making some decisions 
based on the fact that when he steps away from the game in 10 or 15 or 20 years, whatever his time frame is, I don't know how long he's going to do this job. I think he wants to leave behind a mark on the game that people will talk about for generations. And I think that's impacting some of his decisions. Um, you know, Bill Belichick makes a comment, okay, whatever. I mean, um, you know, you're still the commissioner, and it's not up to Belichick. This is the competition committee and the owners. So it's really not up to, to, to Belichick individually. It's the committee, and then ultimately the owners have to vote on it. So I just think that as a fan who watches the game, the last thing I think they need to tinker with now is the extra point. Down the road maybe in a couple of years when a lot of this other stuff is fleshed out, sure. But when I'm watching the game and I'm seeing games being decided by refereeing because of calls that are being blown and you've got instant replay that you're not using to the fullest, I think that's top on the list. I think the, the, the hits that are being called and penalized and maybe shouldn't be penalized, I think that's, you know, these, these are things that are impacting and causing people games. You know, they're affecting the outcome of games. And to me, that's the number one thing you look at is what is it that, you know, we can do better so that these games are officiated better so that we know the officials. Because i got to tell you something. Full-time officiating. That'd be nice. Well, I, you know, whatever. Whatever. Whatever they got to do. Because i got to tell you, you know, to me, and guys tell me if I'm wrong, there is a completely different um, – uh, standard of officiating. I know all-stars get picked to do, you know, the, the referees with the highest accuracy get picked, but they're not looking at the playoff games the same as they're looking at the regular season games. And to me, there's only 16 games. To me, that's a problem because these guys just played 16, 17 games, and they're used to a certain level of officiating. Now they get into these games, and now the officiating changes and tightens up. Well, Tighten it up from week one, then. Have a standard these players can get used to week in and week out. And I think the competition committee, the owners, the commissioner's office got to sit there and look at this and what can you put in place so that this happens. It's well known in the NFL that Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Triplett and his crew are horrible. The guy's been in it for 15 years. 15 years. Is anyone addressing that? Yet it's it's you ask anybody in the game and and you say who's the last crew you want refereeing your game? Trip triplet. What are they doing about that? Fifteen years he's been doing this. So to me, yeah, uh, maybe at some point, okay, I get it. It's automatic and it, it, you know the game has changed and you want to evolve with the game. I get it, but there's just so many other things, you know, so many other things. You got a Pro Bowl that you can't even figure out, you know. That's a major event that us football fans, that's all we got now, right? We got two football games left. So what can you do to make that better? Now you made it a fantasy football format. I mean, I don't know. You know, is it going to work? K-Star, is this format going to work? I don't think so. I mean, I think it would be nice to see for the first time, but it probably loses luster. Again, it really just depends on what the players do in the football field. If they care, if they try, if they buy into it, then, yeah, it will be nice to watch the game. But if the quality of the game is bad, then it is what it is, the same. Yeah. We'll see. I, I, and I know I said we'd get into it next week. And I, I will just say this, and then we'll move on. Um, the number one issue with the Pro Bowl over the last few years has been no one wants to get hurt. So these guys are, are they're not hitting. And it didn't always used to be that way in a Pro Bowl. Now it is. So what are you going to do about that? 
That, that's the question on the table. What are you going to do about that? We'll see if it's a different game on Sunday, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, let's take some looks at the Super Bowl and look at some storylines. We'll make our picks next week, um, but let's, let's, make some, let's look at some storylines. And I, I wanna, uh, first, I want to go to train, and I want to ask, um, you, you, we've got, you know, as we all knew was coming, the young up-and-coming superstar against the established Hall of Famer, and we knew this was coming, and now we've got it. it, it what do you think the chances are, Train? that the stage could be too big uh, for Russell Wilson? Man, um, you know, the more I think about how that guy has played since day one, um, I just, I, uh, I favor more on the side of it not being too big of an issue for him. I mean, he knows his limitations. He knows what he can do, and he has full confidence in in what, in in, in the way he plays the quarterback position. And it's just see, he's seen, he never seemed like a deer in headlights from day one, from the from the time that uh, Pete Carroll said this this is my starting quarterback. He never seemed like a deer in headlights. So I don't even see that being an issue for him in the Super Bowl. Hmm. Hmm. Jay, what do you think? Could it be too big of a stage for Wilson, or you think he's uh, he's ready for it? You know, honestly, I, I I think he is ready for it. I, I recall a story about him uh, when he was at Wisconsin, transferring from NC State, and I think within the he was the second day or the third day of being on campus and introducing himself to the team, they named him captain. That says a lot right there when you're going to a, a top school. And within a day or two, they're, they're claiming you as, as captain of their team. No, I don't think he'll be too big for it because the other thing about Wilson is that you can tell he's team-oriented. It's about what the team needs. If it's uh, making a play with his arm, making a play with his legs, or just being smart with the football, throwing it out of bounds, he understands the big picture. And I think he'll play within himself, and I think he'll – so let the game come to him and, and make decisions that he needs to make, kind of the, the decisions that a veteran would make. So, no, I, I kind of agree with with, uh, with Trainer. I think he'll be prepared for this one. Okay. K-Star, you get a different question. You get the question that I've been waiting for. We've got number one offense against number one defense. We've got Peyton Manning going up against the Legion of Boom. We've got potentially the matchup that we mentioned earlier, Demarius Thomas, your self-proclaimed number two quarterback in the NFL against Richard Sherman. It could very well be that they decide to stick Fox, I mean, to uh, stick Sherman on Thomas. And if that happens, what do you think happens? Well, um, here's the thing. Well, I think it's, First of all, Richard Sherman, to me, for my money, is the best quarterback in the league. However, I don't think that Peyton with Demarius, with, with Sherman on Demarius, is going to back down, though, either. Because I think Peyton is just a rhythm type of guy. I think he's a guy that really pre-snap kind of makes the decisions and, and, and beats you with formations. You know, see how I like to run a lot of man coverage. And they're one running, if they're going to play uh, Mary Thomas straight up, I mean, he's a guy who takes advantage of that coverage pretty routinely. Now, Richard Sherman is a different dynamic, but, again, they can get him open with Russ and takes and things of that sort. 
And if he catches a slant, I mean, he's liable to house it. Um, the advantage, so you have to assume, <clears throat> would be for Richard Sherman because, again, he's the best cornerback in the league. And the thing about Peyton is he spreads the wealth. So, yes, well, Demarius Thomas, again, to me, is one of the top receivers in the game. If, if Peyton doesn't particularly like that matchup or if Sherman starts, uh, you know, uh, putting the fear of God into Peyton early on in the game, he's just going to go to Deckers and go to Welker. He's going to beat you uh, with Julius Thomas. That's just how Peyton operates. He's going to throw an open guy. Well, uh, let's take it, it to the next level. Let's, I, mean, I mean, you know, they've got, they've got you know, best secondary. I mean, Deion Sanders says this could be the best secondary ever created. You know, who who advantage who? Advantage Peyton Manning and, and his core receivers or advantage the Legion of Boom, in your opinion? Oh, no. It, it's definitely Peyton and his receivers. Because you got to remember the best player in football, still Peyton Manning. And the Legion of Boom, as good as it is, they haven't seen this guy. And this offense operates. I mean, don't get me wrong, they played some good quarterbacks throughout the last few years. But when you're playing Peyton Manning, again, you're playing a, a surgeon. You're playing a guy who can affect you. Was mine, and when you have Wes Welker, when you have those guys that can beat, like no one's going to be able to guard Wes Welker on that team. I'm sorry, from the plot. You know, I mean Julius Thomas again, another very good uh, tight end. Like I, I just don't see how Seattle, as good as their secondary is, matched up only because Peyton makes it work. This is the highest scoring offense in NFL history, 5,500 yards. No one else has had an answer. And again, they don't necessarily need to put up a lot of points, but they control the clock. Uh, Peyton had offense with third down conversions and slinging the rock. I mean, again, to me, the advantage is still those receivers. I don't see how Decker could be covered if Thomas has Sherman on him. I don't see how Julius Thomas is going to be uh, held down by, I don't know, a chancellor or a linebacker. I just don't see how they can line up, match up with them like that. Okay. Train, my my defensive guy, do you agree with K-Star, or are you going to come and defend this defense? Um. Man, it's going to be one of the best matchups we've seen in football in a long time. And I don't know that I necessarily need to defend the defense, but really um, I can't necessarily give the edge to either side uh, because, I, uh, true, true enough, I can't lie, I, I, I partly am leaning towards uh, Denver uh, because they're completely healthy in their secondary. They, they, I mean, completely, completely healthy in their offense. That he has all of his weapons, and uh, they've done very well this season. And Peyton Manning, uh, in all his years of football, if anybody is able to break down a defense, find the chink in your armor, he can do it. Uh, but at the same time, you know that secondary plays tough and they play physical. And I don't know that that sec- that Denver has faced. <laughs> A more physical secondary as you know as Seattle uh, as, as physical as a, a secondary as Seattle, as Seattle has. So really, man, to me, it's 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 kind of even. It's kind of even killed. I may I may give a slight edge to Denver, but just like you say, slightly on the throne. I mean, very slight edge to Denver. It's gonna be fun to watch. Okay, uh, JB, advantage who? Uh- I'm going to come from a different slant. Um, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with, with with Train on a lot of that, but I think the the one battle that will dictate that battle is going to be in the trenches, offensive line versus the defensive line, and how much time Manny truly has to, to get the football out to his receivers. 
Seattle's got four down linemen that are all basically pure pass rushers. If he's got time to throw and that offensive line can hold up, I would give a slight edge to the receivers. If he's under pressure and he's got to continue to slide to his left, slide to his right, step up, drop back, and constantly move around in that pocket and be a, a bit uncomfortable, I tend to give the edge back over to the um, Seattle secondary. And I really believe that the battle that's going to dictate Peyton versus the um, secondary, the receivers versus the secondary, is going to be in the trenches first. Whoever wins that battle will then win the battle between the uh, receivers and the secondary. Okay. Um, right now, right now, I go advantage um, Seattle right now. I I I am not I and 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 I'm just taking the you know if train were to go 51-49 advantage Denver then I'm going to go 51-49 advantage Seattle right now that doesn't mean that I'm going to stick with that for the upcoming week um but I'm going to go there right now and and the only reason I do that now is is because of the physical nature of Seattle's secondary and what that does to wide receivers that's the only reason not just the coverage but the seattle secondary is very physical and and that could play a toll throughout the game but like i said i agree this is not i i mean we we were sharply in disagreement over kaepernick we are not sharply in disagreement on this one um peyton manning is a surgeon back there um you know and we're going to get to him in a minute but he he is he is incredible um the receivers the the weapons he has and what he's done this year off the chain so you know i i can't i cannot in good faith argue anyone who says peyton man's gonna go out there and dissect these guys because it, that very well could happen that very well could happen but i just look at the physical end of seattle's defense and the physical way that that secondary plays man and i i i think it, over time that's just, I mean, maybe a Thomas can handle it because he's a big dude. He's a big physical guy. But a Welker, who's already had two concussions, uh, a Decker, um, well, maybe both Thomases. They're both big guys could probably handle it, but not not all of them. So we'll see. You know, we'll see, and we'll talk more about it um, next week. But uh, right now I'm just going to go slight edge Seattle, just slight edge. But um, on Peyton Manning, K-Star, uh, what do you think – you know, this game means to his legacy. What are your thoughts when we look at, you know, we all ranked quarterbacks and, um, you know, uh, we all had Peyton Manning as one of the best ever, but I think we all, I think we all had Tom Brady ahead of him. And I know I, for one, definitely had Joe Montana ahead of, ahead of everybody. He's my number one all-time period. But what do you think this does for Brady, uh, uh, Peyton Manning's legacy if he's able to get a win? I think it puts him right back in discussion is if uh, after Montana, if he's the best quarterback of all time, I think it puts him right back in the discussion. And I think that if Peyton does it, he absolutely has and, and retires. Let's 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 say that Peyton retires this year after winning the Super Bowl. It absolutely puts him in the discussion because again, I mean, two Super Bowl rings, three appearances, uh, you know, five what MVPs we predict he's about to win this another one. And, uh, I mean, and he's 2-1 and changed the games over Brady. Brady would have one more Super Bowl ring, uh, a few more appearances, but I, I think we can all agree that 
Peyton Manning has um, just is just a special football player, as is Tom Brady. But when you look at all the accolades and what he's meant to his team, and and now he will be the only he's the only quarterback to ever go from uh, what two franchises put two franchises in the Super Bowl. So I mean, he has, and then now and he beat Brady's record for uh, most. Uh, offensive points scored uh, team-wise and uh, with touchdowns in the season and passing yards. So it's like if he wins this game, um, for me, it puts him right back in the discussion as if he's if he's the greatest of all time post-Montana because I think it's, you can't really argue against Joe Montana there. So it's huge. It absolutely is. It's just it's monstrous. Now, if he loses, I think he's still top five all the time. He can't take anything away from him. Still through Super Bowl appearances, one and two records. But I still think that Brady sits ahead of him. They can't really argue against that. And I still think that, I mean, you can even argue a couple other guys that have Manning because of that uh, Super Bowl record and happy to get it done. And plus, he would still have a losing playoff record when it's all said and done. Who? Manning? Yeah, if he if he loses, his uh, playoff record, I believe, will be 11 and 12. I think he's knotted up to 500 uh, with his past. Oh, uh, yeah, 11 and 11 now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, JB, what do you think this means for Peyton's legacy? Man, it's, it's hard to argue with K-Star on that one. I got to give it to him because everything that he said, I basically echoed the same sentiment. You're talking about a guy that brought Indianapolis from, geez, the doldrums to a, a perennial powerhouse, and then to have four neck surgeries, wasn't sure if he was going to play again. Now he's taking the Broncos to, to the playoffs twice and not to the Super Bowl in the second season with them. And to do everything that he's done throughout his career, regular season, postseason, wins this Super Bowl, yeah, I think behind Montana, he's arguably right there uh, in in the discussion for second best quarterback ever to play the game. Okay, uh, Train. Sorry, uh, I can't argue with anything that have been said. Um, to be honest, win or lose, Peyton Manning is still. Um, in my top five list of quarterbacks, and uh, that's that's about as I can say for that. I love watching him play, man. That dude is a, is a surgeon when it comes to playing the game, and he studies the game. And no matter who he goes to, he gets you know it's evident he prepare he can prepare the other players to play better than what they've been playing with him being around, with him being at the quarterback position. So, uh, yeah, regardless of win or lose, man, that dude still. Legacy is intact. It can only it can only make it better if he wins. Yeah. Um, if he loses, he's where he was. I don't think he go. I don't think I don't think anyone takes anything away from him if he loses. Um, if he wins, we're gonna have the biggest debate in the history of sports. I think. I think it's really going to be. I think universally Joe Montana is considered the best quarterback ever universally. Um, if you ask sports writers and all the people, um, I do think that that's the universal stance. Um, and then, you know, um, I, I even think there's a large faction that has Brady as the second best ever and Manning is in the top five or some top ten. But if, if Brady's able to – I mean, I'm sorry, if Manning's able to win – and as K-Star said, the first guy to take two different franchises to the Super Bowl, um, the third quarterback to do it and the first to actually win, um, I, I think he does make I, – I do think that while in my opinion Brady's still number two, um, I can't argue if anyone else were to step up and say 
maybe Manning now just passed Brady, maybe Manning now, because, see, Brady had a lot of early success, and, you know, over, over the last decade, his playoff success hasn't been what it was. So, you know, actually, when you, when you look at um, – um, well, I don't have the stats in front of me, but go look at the stats and you'll see that um, their head-to-head performances, um, Man- Manning's actually done quite well over the last several years versus early when they were in the same division and then, you know, the, the younger years of him being the, Patri- or the, the, the Colts head quarterback. Um, and Brady, you know, hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2004. So now you've got Manning since 2004 that will have been to three Super Bowls and won two, um, potentially. So, yeah, I, I really think that it's going to be a very interesting debate. I mean, it may be one we have here, you know, to really sit down and look at their careers. And the beauty is they're still both still playing, you know. Um, and, you know, it, it, I'll tell you, I got I to gotta tell you, I heard Kevin Hart say um, – you know, Kevin Hart, comedian Kevin Hart, say that, um, and, and hey, uh, uh, K-Star, I did not know, I guess I'm the last one to know that 40 G's is Kevin, is Kevin Hart's brother. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Robert Hart. Yeah, Maybe. I didn't know that. I, saw, I was watching a video of Kevin Hart, and they interviewed, um, and I, I was just looking at who was being interviewed, and I'm like, that's 40 G's. And then I rewound it, and it was like uh, 40 G's, aka Robert Hart, Kevin Hart's brother. All like, so I went on one of the one of the, um, uh, I think it's the Madden World Syndicate page, and I made a comment on Facebook, and of course I got ripped apart because like, how, do, how can you not know that? I'm like, I'm not from Philly. That's how come I don't know that. But um, anyway, Kevin Hart said he thinks Peyton Manning might retire if he wins because what what does he have left to prove? Now, um, I, I got to tell you. If Peyton Manning's 100%, he doesn't retire. But with that, with that neck injury and all of the work it's taken for him to play at this level, he goes and wins a Super Bowl. You know, does he come back for another year? Does he do? You know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's going to be interesting to see if he wins. What decisions does he make? Because really, is he healthy enough to come back and do this for another year? Remember, guys, the beginning of the year, Peyton wasn't healthy. And when I say not healthy, there was a lot of question on his arm strength. There was questions on his spiral and on his control the first three or four games. He didn't look like Peyton that everybody knew. He had to work to get the control. And even now, there's still some plays where people are saying they question the velocity. I don't, but I still hear that being questioned. So, obviously, he had to work very hard through all those surgeries and rehabilitation and his second year back to really get to where he is now. Is he ready to do that all over again? If he wins the Super Bowl, we don't know, but I think it's a valid question. I really do. But I think it'd be very interesting. Both of these guys, if Peyton comes wins and these, both these guys come back. We already know Brady will be back next year. And if Manning comes back, woo, we are, we are looking at a potential fire, fire, fiery year in the AFC. Both these guys, uh, uh, playing next year. I would have to say I would be just only a tad bit shocked if he retires for the simple fact that, man, he would leave that organization in turmoil offensively. (laughs) Because they don't have anything. Yeah, they have a quarterback. (laughs) Right. So I would, you know, just because of the type of person he is and the type of relationship he loves to have with, you know, the owner or whoever, GM or whoever of the organization, I'd be surprised if he would just, 
retire if he wins. Yeah. You know, not giving him a chance to find somebody, you know, a year to find somebody first. Well, health and a a degenerating neck may not give him a choice. He may, this may be his, he, for all we know, this could be it either way. True. K-Star, you hearing anything? I mean, I know he's got ties in Indianapolis still. Any, any word on, uh, any, any inside scoop, any word on the street in Indianapolis? No, just speculation of that, that when he gets that um, check up, I believe in March, that there's a good upper, or there's a good chance that they may not clear him to play because it's a degenerative neck. I mean, this is contractually obligated for him to uh, meet these positions to check on his status of his neck. I mean, so he might... And Denver might—he might even have a choice. He might have to retire, win or lose. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, so and, and Denver knew that he doesn't owe anything in Denver because Denver knew what the risks were when he signed him with that degenerative neck. I mean, so you know, if he does have to retire, you know, Denver's both not planning ahead. I believe they drafted Brock Osweiler a few years ago in the second round um, in preparation for whenever Manning leaves. But uh, this could be it. I hope it's not. He's playing at the best level, the highest level of his career uh, at this age. But if he's physically unable to go, he's unable to go. And like I said, we were talking about last week, he said that he could see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. So, All right. Um, I think we covered everything for this week. And let me just go around around, <laughs> around the horn. That's pretty good. Let me go around the horn and get last comments. And let me start with uh, – uh, Dr. Train, any final thoughts or comments? Well, T.O., I was going to ask you, man, how do you feel about uh, Munchie Kiffin probably coming back as defense coordinator? I caught that little headline earlier today. Uh, yeah, he, he's going to be returning as a defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Um, you know, on one end, I understand continuity, and I understand mm-hmm. that he only had a year. Um and there were a lot of injuries. The Cowboys, I think, had uh, they played more defensive players than any other defense in the NFL, to my knowledge, um, and were literally signing guys off the street to come in and play. So I, I do understand that he did not have the full crew um, healthy and ready to go, and, and I think that had a lot of impact on Jerry Jones' decision to give him another chance. Um, for my money, I would have got rid of him and promoted Rod Marinelli and gave him the, and gave him the team. But I'm wondering if Marinelli even wanted it. Um, and I, I think internally there might have been some discussions, and maybe Marinelli was like, "Look, I really don't want it," <laughs> you know, for whatever reason. So, maybe he's got bigger. I'll tell you. I'll tell you from goals. experience with Marinelli being in Chicago, he didn't want defense coordinator in Chicago. Yeah. It just it just happened to fall that way where he had no choice but to go with him. Yeah, uh, because he was the best, you know, he was the best, you know, defensive mind for what Lovey Smith wanted to do, and no one well, else and, was doing and, a, a better job than Lovey Smith. Well, and he might, and he might have, and he might have, it might have been the same way here in Dallas. I don't know, but um, I, am I okay with it? No. Am I going to live with it? I, I have no choice. Um, when you have a defense, for regardless of the reasons, that gives up more yards than any Cowboy defense in the history of Cowboy football, the fourth most yards in the history of the NFL, and no one is held accountable, no one loses their job, 
I just it doesn't set right with me. I'll get over it and I'll root for him next year, but um I I really think there should have been accountability. I just think there's one thing to have a bad defense, is another reason to have an atrocious defense. And um I, I think he should have been gone. And so um but on the note of the Cowboys I will say that Jason Jason Witten, DeMarco Murray and Jason Hatcher are all gonna be in the Pro Bowl now. Um, so that gives five Cowboys, and uh, I, I think Jason Witten deserves it. I definitely think DeMarco, um, Jason Hatcher definitely deserved it. Um, Murray, and eh, I'm on the fence about that one, but he's in, so congratulations. So, um, um, All right, but any, any other last uh, words there, Dr. Train? Well, I just want to congratulate my, uh, not my, my Bears player that did get a chance to go to Pro Bowl, Alshon Jeffries, is considering that Calvin Johnson is sitting out due to injury. So you have two bare wide receivers in the Pro Bowl. That's awesome, along with Matt Forte and along with rookie offensive lineman Kyle Long. He's in the Pro Bowl due to the injury to uh, Latupi from uh, Sunday's from the 49ers game. And also on defense, Tim Jennings. So that's five bears in the Pro Bowl. And I just hope that with all this hype about this draft, that they come out and play because I don't care how they pick the teams, NFC, AFC draft. I just hope the players put forth some effort and make it entertaining, like real football, not seven on seven. Agreed. All right, thank you, Doctor Train. K Star. Absolutely. Last, last thoughts. I just, I just want to point out the train. I don't know if you realize this, realizes this, or if anyone caught that, but he's basically celebrating the injuries. What? He's basically happy that other people are injured just so his little bears can get in. No, I don't think I'm happy. I think I'm happy my bears play in. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you can twist my words. That's what you do on that's your what, show. That's what right, yeah, thank you. I was about to say. <laughs> no, yeah. I, was, I was only messing with you, but I know, uh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, no, this is a cool matchup. I mean, this is the first time in I, I don't know how many years, but I know it's been quite some time between uh, when there was two number one seeds playing each other in the Super Bowl. And, you know, for whatever reason, throughout the years in football, it just hasn't happened. There's been a lot of parity, as we like to say, in the NFL. And then finally have the two powerhouses, the one of the AFC, the NFC, that have been the best two teams all year. Um, it's just something we look forward to. And I think we all should be paying attention to that weather forecast. Again, it's still two weeks away, but I'm very interested in see if there's going to be swirling winds or what the when levels are going to be in uh, New York City. Mm. All right. Uh, JB, Brother Jay, any uh, any uh, final thoughts? Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how this Pro Bowl plays out and see what kind of traction it's going to gain for Pro Bowls in the future. Is it going to be something that's going to be a springboard or is it going to fall by the wayside? So I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to play out, Hopefully they actually do physically play and not have it be a seven-on-seven drill. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how that turns out and looking forward to the conversation we have next week about it. Sounds good. All right. All right, gentlemen, I am muting you all now. Appreciate your uh, co-hosting uh, the Madden Voice with me tonight. 
And uh, my, my final thoughts are very similar. Uh, looking forward to the Pro Bowl simply because it's all we have for football. Uh, we have the Pro Bowl and then the, the Super Bowl. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. And, um, you know, Dion is one of my favorite players. So, you know, the fact that he's very involved will be interesting. And then, of course, Jerry Rice is his nemesis and arch rival and formal teammate. So, you know, we'll make the best of it and see and see where it leads to. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a full uh, Pro Bowl recap. But then next week, uh, next Tuesday night, January 28th, uh, the Madden Voice will return, 8 o'clock, and we will do a full Super Bowl preview. We will talk about the players. We will talk about the coaches. We will talk about the venue. Uh, as I am, I, I, I have not been to the new stadium, but I have been to the old stadium. But um, you know, uh, um, you know, we, we will we will still talk about the venue. And uh, I am I, I am friends with uh, a gentleman by the name of Eric Clemens, who used to be on ESPN years and years ago, and now is more of a freelance sports. Um, uh, a sports person covering works for different networks at different times. And uh, we talked about him coming on tonight, but I think if his schedule will allow, I'm going to try to get him on next Tuesday night to just talk a little football with us. So I have not confirmed it yet, but I will talk with him. He is a, he is actually a personal friend of mine and he's just a great, great, great guy. Um, and, and I'm hoping that I can uh, get him, uh, if his schedule allows to come on and, and join us, um, next Tuesday night to talk football. So, um, look forward to that. And if not, it'll just be us and we'll talk about, we'll cover it from top to bottom, every possible angle that you can think of. And most importantly, we're going to let you know who we think is going to win the game. And keep in mind that the line opened with Denver, um, Denver being favored by a point and a half. Um, and that's how it's opening, so we'll see what happens in Vegas. So for Dr. Train, for K-Star, and for my brother JB, I want to thank you guys for tuning into the Madden Voice. And uh, enjoy the week, enjoy the Pro Bowl, and just remember, here on the Madden Voice, all feuds are settled on the field. We'll see you next Tuesday.